0: Hello, I'm Valentina Romeo and welcome to the True Connection podcast from CityWire in association with m where fund selectors from around the world share their views and questions on the hottest topic in the market for 2020, and where we call fund managers to respond. In this episode, we will listen to MNG fund managers on their take on ESG investing and how they are engaging with companies when it comes to sustainability. For this, we came to the M&G headquarters and are now joined by Maria Muniki and Ben Costable Maxwell, respectively, the fund manager of the Sustainable Multi-Asset Fund and Head of Sustainable and Impact Investment. Hello both, thank you very much for joining us. So last month we've met with uh, the of fund selectors at our fixed income retreat in the UK, and we chat all about ESG outlook for 2020, and specifically, we talked about if ESG is just a fad or is something that's here to stay. So the first question is really,
1: is ESG ESG here to stay? Well, when we look at some of the uh, underlying trends that really underpin the interest in ESG today, they're very long term trends and therefore it's very difficult that those will be going away anytime soon. the, the trends that we're talking about are trends that have taken um, more than 150 years to develop. The trends that first of all started from a socioeconomic standpoint. So we've seen a significant amount of growth in the last 150 years, growth in demographics, growth in um, GDPs, um, growth in the way we use uh, natural resources and society in general. And uh, those changes have been very uh, positive under certain respects. So they've really had uh, increased the quality of life um, around the world. They've extended the life expectancy of many people, and you know made us a little bit uh, more better off than what we were. But at the same time, throughout this period, we've had other trend changes that have um, affected the uh, natural ecosystem we live in. And those are seen in many respects. Uh, the most commonly known are, of course, the increase in CO2, which have been exponential throughout these 100, last 150 years, has been the increase in ocean acidification, has been uh, the increase in cultivated land and the use of the biosphere that we're making uh, today. And uh, those transformations are so important that have led many scientists to define the epoch we live in as the Anthropocene. So an epoch that actually has been shaped uh, very profoundly by the action of of human beings. Um, And so facing these changes, it's very important for us to ask ourselves, you know, what is coming next? Can we continue in this path or not? And I think this, this very simple and clear answer is that will not be possible because the amount of resources we have is not uh, sufficient to sustain these rates of of change and those trends that we're seeing. But I think interestingly there is an answer to this which is transforming the way our economic system works which is basically moving from a linear system to a much more circular uh, way of um, uh, producing goods, a way of consuming goods, a way of utilising services. And this transformation really can occur across uh, several sectors. And not only could be beneficial for uh, shareholders and stakeholders in general, but also could bring financial benefits to some of the companies that are ready to and make those transformations.
0: I think that gives us <laughs> maybe the best answer. But Ben, do you want to add anything to Maria's comment?
2: Yeah, uh, I think exactly. I, I completely agree with, with Maria's perspective. Um, from a slightly more uh, prosaic perspective, if you like, you know there are some strong drivers um, behind the uh, momentum in, in ESG investing, uh, which we think are here for the long term. Um, and those include... Uh, issues like the real um, increase in regulatory scrutiny and focus, um, the you know very very clear uh, societal shift uh, in terms of interest in how companies are um, managing their environmental, uh, social, and governance risks. So there's some strong long-term drivers behind um, ESG and sustainable investing, which we believe. Um, are going to be here for the very long term uh, and that's a great foundation behind the the long term demand for ESG and sustainable and to some degree impact investing as well.
0: Sure, so we hear here a lot about the context of ESG. In our previous podcast with uh, fund selectors obviously we talked about greenwashing which is there uh, unfortunately. Um, how do you respond as fund managers to To this, how how serious are you from an investment point of view on ESG?
2: Yeah, I I think for us it's really a question of uh, of definitions and 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 transparency. So, um, you know, that that's definitions around ensuring. We're clear on what we mean by ESG. Um, You know, there are different approaches that investors can take. I think we need to be very clear in communicating um, to our customers, to our clients on on the type of ESG approach we're taking, whether it's exclusion or integration or sustainability focus um, uh, or, or impact. So clarity. Around the definitions is really important, um, uh, but then also just transparency—not just on transparency on the type of ESG uh, or sustainable investment approach we're taking, uh, but transparency on what we're investing in. When you when you look under the bonnet, you see all sorts of companies that you you know your average investor would not expect uh, to be there. So I think you get over that risk, or you mitigate that risk by by. Um, uh, you know, disclosing clearly uh, how you're investing, but also being clear about you know the type of ESG approach you're taking. I think there is validity in in, in the sort of ESG activist engagement approach. You can push companies to improve, uh, to change, to transition. Um, and you might all hold some uh you know higher carbon holdings in that kind of strategy but if you don't tell people that that's the approach you're taking they'd be surprised to see maybe some of those higher carbon holdings that are transitioning um, so yeah, I think it's a question of of clarity and transparency it's such there's such important uh, principles
0: so maria how do you communicate this
1: yeah i i totally agree it, it is absolutely crucial to be transparent and clear about you know what do we mean by ESG investment and sustainability? There is very different strategies out there that investors today can use to integrate um, ESG and sustainability in their investment approach. Uh, some strategy might be more um, uh, add-on add to the existing investment strategies. Other are more embedded with the investment process, and that's fine. But it has to be very clearly defined, you know, at, at a product level? What is this product aiming to do? And we do know that there is a strong trend for ESG integration across the industry. And that's very important and really, I think, recognize the validity of ESG in an economic sense. So, you know, when we're talking about the long term trends, you know, ESG makes sense because economically it makes sense. And therefore, it's important that all products think about integrating ESG in their assessment, in their financial uh, analysis. But then some products will go over and above that by integrating more actively certain strategies within sustainability. And it's really about being clear what strategies are um, integrated and how. And being very transparent to the client in terms of the reporting, in terms of the holdings we have. And you know, I totally agree with Ben, you know, uh, you have to be able to explain the holdings in your portfolio and what are you doing about those holdings to potentially improve some of the downside that they might have. And it's it's an evolution. So I think, you know, we are in a journey at the moment, which will bring more and more clarity around, you know, what strategy means um, and how... Can a client interpret uh, you know what a, what a, what a fund is aiming to do, um, but transparency is really the essence how, of it. how
0: long until we can actually say that ESG is mainstream? How long do you think this will take? you know we we have the regulatory bit that we can is already there, but there is there is there is need to to have to be more I
1: think w- we are definitely you know, moving in that direction. Um, there's a lot of initiatives at a regulatory, but also, you know, more um, investor base as well. And, and Ben can illustrate uh, some more example around those. But I think um, one important step It's really to uh, educate uh, clients and investors about, you know, what ESG really means and what are the different strategies you can apply. And that's really, you know, I think it's a process that is still ongoing. I mean, we have been um, doing quite a lot, myself and Ben, in the last couple of years, really talking to investors, trying to explain what does ESG really mean? You know, what's behind these three letters that Mm -hmm. nobody really... They're used a
0: bit for everything exactly, exactly. but what does it mean in essence mm-hmm.
1: you know and, and really what you're trying to do with ESG is widening the aperture throughout which you're looking at your investment so you're not just restraining yourself at cash flows and balance sheet and you know the sector you're looking at but you're analyzing the company on the basis of also you know what is the environmental risk and policies they have in place, what are the social risks and policies they have in place and crucially what is the governance. So I think the education is still a very important point and then uh, we, we will come well a moment where we have more standardization also across you know uh, the, the, the definition of the strategies as well.
0: Hopefully that will make your job much easier. Yeah, and way. most
1: importantly the job of you know, uh, fund selectors and clients they have to choose the fund that is right for them. I think
0: they have the most challenging <laughs> bit for all this and we, we mentioned, they mentioned actually, uh, a, as we just talked earlier about reporting, so there is uh, they, they kind of they would like to see, you know, having specific objective for each fund, having, you know the ESG targets, that clarity that we speak to already, but can you tell me fr- from your side, how do you report to clients and what questions do they ask you if
1: there is anything missing? Um, so our approach has been to you know report on uh, the key aspects that uh, are part of our um, strategy in terms of uh, both performance and investment process and ESG. Um, So we, running a sustainable multi-asset proposition, uh, embed different ESG strategy from exclusion to best in class, to engagement, to uh, um, voting, um, and also a portion of the portfolio is dedicated to positive impact strategies. So we really try to make sure that we were transparent about, you know, where are we in terms of, you know, the rating quality in terms of ESG of our holdings, that we respect the exclusions that we put in place, and then we monitor that on a, on a regular and, and very accurate basis. Um, but it's interesting to see what clients ask us in terms of, you know, what are our policies, what are our beliefs, even around things that maybe we don't directly excu- exclude, but where we have a more cautious approach. For example, on oil and gas and utilities, we don't have a straightforward exclusion, but being those some very high in CO2 um, Intensive sectors, um, we have a more scrutinized approach, so we will tend to focus on those companies that have uh, a transition plan in place towards uh, a lower carbon economy um and i think one of the most uh interesting piece of reporting that we have been doing has been around the reporting around the impact of our holdings and this has been you know the work of of ben um and and the team positive impact team at mng around reporting on that and it's been very exciting i think isn't it ben
2: yeah so exactly as, as maria says this has been um uh, as an impact so the, uh, for our MG positive impact fund but also we have a Uh, private debt impact fund at M&G, for any impact fund, and also Maria's, part of her portfolio is positive impact, uh, specifically positive impact-oriented.
0: Sorry, what does it mean, positive impact? We hear this a lot. (coughs) What does it mean, like, for you? Sure.
2: Okay, well, well, uh, there's a couple of ways of thinking about it briefly. The first is, I think, the... um, you know there are there are certain definitions of what, what what separates impact investing from let's say ESG investing or sustainable investing, although there's a lot of commonality between those broad areas. For us, impact investing is about identifying um, uh, businesses which kind of meet certain impact criteria, <coughs> uh, and in particular, those criteria are. Uh, Measurability—you really have to be able to measure to measure the positive impact um, uh, that the company is generating, and that will bring us to the the impact reporting, which is a crucial part of demonstrating that that impact. But it's also about investing in businesses that are intentional, so have a clear purpose. An intent to deliver impact, uh, to generate a positive impact on some of the world's big environmental social challenges, Um, and I think then the other aspect really is sort of what the other central aspect is materiality. So you have to focus on positive impact companies that are uh, 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 generating. uh, or directing their businesses towards um, these big social environmental challenges as a core part of what they do. So not just a peripheral, uh, small part of their business, but actually a very, very core part of what they do, i.e. the materiality that, uh, um, of their business is directed to those um, those, those big challenges. Now, um, in terms of of the impact reporting, uh, bringing us back to that point for a second, um you know we really have to be very clear about each of our holdings uh, to do an assessment uh, based on specific KPIs and metrics um, aligned with for example the sustainable development goals the SDGs um, that enables us to assess how much uh, and to what degree the company is delivering positive impact on those areas so our impact reporting has to you know communicate that to our customers in a way that is simple straightforward transparent Um, And one of the parts of transparency that's really important is not just to focus on the positives. Every company uh, in the world has some uh, counterbalancing, you know, let's say negative impacts that that, that we have to take into account. Uh, So our impact reporting really focuses on the transparency of of articulating the net impact of of investments. Um, One more thing I would say uh, just to kind of Finalized. Finally, join join the dots between what Maria and I were talking about. You know, I think our our, our investors at M and G really expect us to articulate how we are fulfilling our stewardship responsibilities as well. So, quite apart from fund-specific reporting, um, you know, we uh, communicate uh, what uh, we are doing uh, on behalf of our customers right across our, uh, our our investments. So, we do annual stewardship reporting, which goes into how we vote. Um, on ESG issues, how we engage with companies that we invest in, the sort of broad themes and areas that we're focusing on as an ESG team. So that that's, I think, also a central part of our communications to our clients on ESG. and. So
0: if we had to kind of, in a way, go back before you write these great reports, how do you start when you engage with a company? Do you Visualize. Okay, I would like to to invest in this company. You meet them, or is already one of your holdings? W- where does the process start? Can you just explain a bit to me, and also the ongoing uh, work you do with them?
2: You know, for us, we see engagement as an absolutely central part of our responsibility as a long-term investor. It's really kind of absolutely central part of what we do. Um, we do recognise, though, that uh, engagement is much more effective if they're targeted, if they're if they're specific, um, if they are uh, focused on the mat- most material. Going back to that point again, most material ESG risks and opportunities that our investments face. So we focus on those particularly relevant topics. Um We also think that engagements are much more effective if you start the engagement with a clear objective and then work out what you want to uh, derive from that engagement and what you want to push for um, over sometimes many months and in fact many years. so as you say, it can take a long period of time but what we need to do as investors is focus on specific outcomes that we're looking to generate and monitor how we're progressing towards those goals um, over the, uh, you know, over sometimes the very long term. Um, and I think our, our, you know, clearly areas like climate change are central to that. So we think we there's a lot of value in creating a structured, coordinated um, approach to thinking about our climate risks um, and engaging with the companies across our broad portfolio at M&G, not just individual funds, but across the whole of M&G. What are our key areas of risk? How can we push companies to improve their management of those risks? How can they improve their disclosure to help us understand um, how climate... it easy? It, it's um it depends, yes yeah, so one of the key questions for us is is um, what is our access to management um, that really uh, helps us uh, or, or, or can influence how effective our engagement is. Um, some geographic regions uh, it's easier to have a, a positive engagement uh, than others um, so we those are sort of considerations we take into account um, but I would also say that um, we increasingly recognize that you know, we have a responsibility to engage ourselves with companies, uh, uh, with with our investments, but also we have a, there's a real opportunity to engage with other companies, other investors in a collaborative way.
1: I think I'll totally agree with that. Uh, Engaging across the industry can be so much more powerful. I mean, each one of us investors have to do our part, but uh, when we engage, as a group, uh, it's it's usually much more powerful, and that's where you really can get, um, you know, much more uh, of an outcome from engagement. But uh, even even with you know with that in mind, uh, if you think about you know the, the founder manager we tend to have between 100 150 holdings. We know we cannot engage with each one of them. So what we do is we identify an uh, ESG uh, strategic engagement with uh, those holdings that we think um, will benefit the most from that, and that we can, you know, uh, learn but also, you know, move maybe the needle uh, uh, within the sector, within the industry by engaging with some of those that are quite advanced.
2: And just maybe one one thing to add from an impact perspective. Um, you know, where you're almost um, inherently investing in pretty sustainable c- companies. In any case, you're, you're very selective on the types of companies that you invest in. So you don't necessarily need to structurally change their business model or push them towards transition. But we think that um, as an impact investor, you can really encourage these companies to have clearer and better disc- disclosures of how they're planning to meet their their KPIs, their targets around delivering impact. Um, We think they can really, we can encourage them to improve the disclosure of their impacts to the market. We think the more companies articulate clearly their impacts and the benefit of those impacts, um, uh, societally and financially, the more uh, the market will shift towards a positive impact way of thinking. Um, And obviously, slightly touching on Maria's last point, um, you know, businesses uh, which have a clear positive impact purpose, sustainable purpose, um, are heading in the right direction, we think, but they really have to demonstrate they're following through on that purpose in sort of everything they do. Um, So we do think that um, having clear uh, remuneration uh, based and sustainability based incentives in their remuneration um, is a really important kind of mechanism for encouraging them to continue on that pathway over the very long term. So we spend quite a lot of time working with companies to make sh- to to ensure that they have the right uh, sustainability metrics for example in their in their uh, remuneration uh, and, and incentives uh, so you can play a positive supportive encouraging role um, even if this is a the starting point a very good company
0: do you think that is enough in terms of priv- private investors is that everything in their hands for, for companies to be better because obviously from other sides, government, there might be less of a possibility to, to help them. Do you think investors for the future, that's their main, that would be their main responsibility to make companies better? Is that the future is, like, is already like being like this, but is that really going to be the main focus going
1: forward? You have a driver f- from the investors, but also the consumption. So if you're a company that is, you know, relying on consumption and the people that buy from you, they do care about certain things, you need to be, you know, good at the game and really, you know, make sure that you control your supply chain, you have rigorous metrics around, you know, the carbon footprint of your products around the supply chain, that, uh, you know, you reduce waste. It's, I think a lot of the companies we speak with, they recognize that it is vital for them. To be able to demonstrate, not just to the investors, but to their consumers, to the clients, to the customers, that they're able to be sustainable. And and this, to me, will be the biggest driver. I mean, of course, government action will be great, uh, but I don't know how much of it we, will, we are going to actually have, to what, to what extent. But I think what really can drive this is the attitude of consumers and also of investors.
2: I think it's really a combination of of all these actors in society, and the interesting thing is, at the moment, um, you know, absolutely necessarily, given the need to rise to the challenge of all these sustainability challenges the world faces, whether it's climate uh, change or whether it's pollution or whether it's biodiversity loss, um, you know, we think you need to take a collaborative, partnership-based approach to solving these problems, and I think investors have a massive role to play Um, And I think they are beginning to rise to the challenge, um, led maybe by particularly those investors who are, of sustainability or impact mandate but actually I think many investors across the spectrum are really um, embracing the opportunity to to push for positive change but that needs to work I think alongside consumers um, regulators and policymakers so I think in and interestingly investors have a role I think to play in pushing policymakers and, and regulators um, in or encouraging them in, a, in in the right direction as well as working on investee companies so uh Partnership is really the the word I think that we all have to kind of embrace and push for in in, in the coming years.
0: Fantastic! Thank you very much for joining me. Thank, thank, you. thank you.
2: Thanks very much. <laughs>